All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what we are calling the Jags Den podcast. Of course, I am your host for today's episode, James Johnson, here officially for episode three, I believe it is, for the Jags Den podcast, as I'll be uh, riding this one solo. And uh, I think something came up with Coach. He was supposed to join me today, but it's all good. Um, We are prepared to suffice. And uh, that's exactly what we're going to do for today's episode. So uh, that being said, you all know the links. Y'all all know the handles. Uh, JaguarsWire.USA2.com, of course, is the site in which you can follow us at. And of course, that is the the site that this podcast is the flagship podcast of. Um, also follow us on Twitter at the Jaguars Wire um, at the Jags Den podcast as well. And you can follow me personally, James Johnson, under the handle of Sports Grind underscore Done. Of course, we got some other interfaces in which you can hear us on. Uh, this is actually being recorded live from Mix LR, though I don't think we necessarily have that many listeners. If I, uh, last time I checked on the interface, but if there is indeed any live listeners, we appreciate you tuning in as uh, we got an action packed episode. And uh, as I was saying, uh, you can also find this on iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, as well as SoundCloud. So uh, that being said, enough with the plugs and enough with the uh, handles. Uh, we're going to get right into today's show, which uh, being that I'm I'm doing it solo today, I'll probably keep it brief. Just a couple topics at hand to talk about. I mean, aside from the draft at this point of the year, it's not really that much to really talk about at that point. But um, at this point, should I say, other than, you know, the visits and who the team could pick up uh, this, that and the other. By the way, we're going to be looking into getting some draft analysts on um, the podcast to join us as guests in the near future, uh, much like we did with Tony Pauline back in the day and um, a few others. So uh, that being said, the topics at hand uh, that I just chose uh, randomly and uh, that are kind of jazz related or mostly jazz related. Uh, Tony Romo, of course, chose to um, to basically sign on with CBS Sports. And uh, chose them over the Houston Texans, which is a division rival of ours. So we'll talk about that. And, you know, furthermore, that means he won't be coming to Jacksonville. Not that he had a a good shot to land here anyway. Uh, but supposedly, you know, Tom Coughlin uh, was a guy that might have been interested in Tony Romo. Uh, we'll never know now. And uh, this is a guy that he knows, you know, very well, being that he was, you know, the coach over in uh, New York. So we'll talk on that. We'll also talk on um, Kaepernick to the Jacksonville Jaguars as Peter King um, put something up. I think it was on Monday morning quarterback, if I'm not mistaken, or um, or he put it up on Sports Illustrated, uh, one, one of the sites that Peter King put this up on. And, uh, you know, he just suggested that, you know, Jacksonville should be one of the landing spots for Cap. So we'll we'll talk on that and his statements and whatnot. So um, also uh, some visits were announced recently, um, mostly by Ryan O'Halloran uh, and just a mixture of um, journalists around have uh, announced these. But uh, the Jaguars so far, or at least as of recently, should I say, haven't uh, it's been announced that they will host Dalvin Cook, um, Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon. Those are the running backs that they will hold. They will host. And uh, we'll talk on that. Also, they plan to host Deshaun Watson, who I was going to have coach talk on this as a um, as a Clemson fan and as a, you know, as a coach as well. Give us his perspective on Deshaun Watson. He's a big fan of him. And, he, you know, he can 
better break his game down for you all and, and whatnot. Uh, but we will have coach on in the near future. Uh, they also plan to host Ruben Foster, Malik Hooker, Cam Robinson, uh, OJ Howard, and unofficially Jonathan Allen. It hasn't been confirmed by one of the Jacksonville analysts, but it has been reported that um, he will indeed come in for a visit. So, as I said, let's get straight into the show. First topic at hand, as I mentioned, Tony Romo, who chose CBS Sports over Houston. And uh, this is a guy, I guess, from the jazz perspective, you know, we kind of had our, you know, and had it in the back of our mind, at least some of us that, you know, Tony Romo could indeed maybe land with the Jacksonville Jaguars due to the Tom Coughlin effect. As we've seen in free agency, Tom Coughlin has done a good job of bringing in free agents and, um, you know, persuading people to come through. Uh, you know, of course, money has a lot to do with that. And the Jags have a lot of that in terms of cap space. Uh, but that being said, you know, Tom Coughlin does play a big role in at least he did play a big role in bringing in guys like Calais Campbell and Barry Church and um, A.J. Boyer, who, you know, they seem really high on and they they really liked his um, winning mentality and his resume. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, you know, he was a big reason why those guys came in. And, you know, they were there was a, a thought process that maybe. Jacksonville could bring in Tony Romo due to Tom Coughlin, who was kind of familiar with him. Uh, but we'll never know now unless he unretires or whatever. <clears throat> but he was cut, as a matter of fact, by the Dallas Cowboys. At least that's what the reports say. And, um, you know, this is a guy that I would have maybe liked to see in a Jags uniform. But the, at the same time, like I said, it was a long shot. And one of the, the issues I had with it, if it were to happen or we even got him in for something so much as a visit is basically I feel like Coughlin or should I say uh Romo here he wouldn't have the line that he had at Dallas and you know he still managed to get injured there so just think of you know what would happen here with him god forbid you know this this isn't the best line you know we're not a line that has a lot of first round picks as Dallas does or you know in, in terms of protecting the quarterback at times we don't do that the best and sometimes you know we we have or should I say we have improved on that this year and we protected Bortles better still nonetheless Tony Romo would get hit a lot more than he did in Dallas and you know you have to wonder could he take that pound in that Jacksonville or their line would allow him to probably take um I know there's been talk of you know the Jags wanting to um basically fix the run game to better protect the quarterback and you know there's still the draft which I think the Jaguars will get several offensive linemen in uh, personally uh, and you, you know you could add those factors into the equation that maybe they could have better protected Tony Romo uh, after the draft when looking at what they probably will land in the draft so to speak uh, but nonetheless you know he would have been behind some rookies in that case on this line which is you know that's often a dangerous situation as well I mean everybody doesn't exactly come out and play like Brandon Linder has you know or Brandon Linder did in his freshman year or his first year his rookie season or um like a Tyron Smith so to speak you know he played very well if I recall in his first year but you know some of them some linemen have trouble you know coming into the league on their first year and having 
an impact or playing as well as those guys have. So, you know, I never from that aspect was on board for getting Tony Romo because of, you know, what we have on our offensive line. And, you know, we weren't able to get some guys to help our offensive line, some known or veteran guys, some guys that are proven in free agency. Um, So from that perspective, you know, I kind of shied away from the Tony Romo talks and didn't didn't kind of want it from that perspective. But nonetheless, at the same time, I would have liked to see it happen, maybe. Um, as for Romo choosing the who is it uh, choosing CBS over the Houston Texans. Now, this is a um, good thing for the Jaguars because maybe the Houston Texans could have better protected him. Um, still, nonetheless, I don't think their offensive line is nearly as good as the um, as the Dallas Cowboys, so to speak. But, you know, they do have a decent run game. They have better alignment overall. So um, this is a guy that, you know, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars and he stays healthy, you kind of don't want Tony Romo to be on that team. Because, I mean, they have shown they could beat us without a good quarterback. Just, I mean, just imagine what they could do with Tony Romo if he were to stay healthy. So um, I think it was Tom Savage that beat us last year, if I recall. And what an embarrassment that was. Gus Bradley absolutely deserved to get fired after that. But, um, you know, Brock Osweiler has beaten us as well. So, you know, I, I guess it don't seem to matter who is the quarterback for the Houston Texans. We just struggle with them traditionally and we struggle with them mightily. And, you know, you put Tony Romo into that equation once again, like I said, granted, he stays healthy. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars would have had some trouble on their hands, uh, not to mention what they have in Fuller on the outside and um, DeAndre Hopkins. So, uh, granted, the Jacksonville Jaguars have upgraded their defense. That is um, one matchup that I wasn't looking forward to if they landed him. So from that aspect, it really does help the Jaguars that he did retire. And as it was stated that, you know, Houston was atop his list if he was going to continue to play the game of football. So, you know, that's my take on it. You know, Jacksonville didn't really miss out on that much because they don't have the line to protect him. But it does help them that he did choose CBS because they don't have to face this guy twice a year, at least for this season. And uh, they don't have to deal with the troubles that he would bring for their defense or just the team in general. So it really helps us from a divisional standpoint that Tony Romo is uh, going to choose to be with CBS Sports. And it was also a rumor that he might um, replace Nance in the booth. But um, I don't know if that's exactly true. I'll read up on more of that later. But um, it'll be interesting to hear him and hear his takes and whatnot in the booth. Because, you know, Tony Romo is a guy that despite all the interviews that's out there on him I haven't really really listened to a lot of his interviews or, or and whatnot so I'll be uh, interested to hear what he has to say from the booth perspective as an aspiring journalist myself so that said we'll move on to the next topic at hand which is uh on Colin Kaepernick who Peter King as I said earlier uh he he wrote a piece on I gotta pull it up real quick to see get my stuff right here he wrote a piece on, I don't think it was, yeah, it, it probably went up on Sports Illustrated. Anyway, basically, uh, to quote him, what he was saying is, I think the best fit for Colin Kaepernick is Jacksonville. And he goes on to say, and I don't want to hear anything about bringing in Kaepernick and how it would affect the confidence of Blake Bortles. This is a performance business and Bortles held back a team with his poor play last year, which he did. The Jacksonville Jaguars can't risk 2017 being a rerun, not with 
the money that they basically put into their good defense. And uh, basically, you know, Peter King, from that perspective, is right. And me personally, you know, I wouldn't mind having him come in, Kaepernick, that is. And that being said, you know, here at Jags Wire, we are on board for bringing Kaepernick on. At least, I mean, to my knowledge, Phil is fine with it. And, of course, Jacob and myself are. Um, and, and I think it's more of an issue, though, of what does Tom Coughlin think about this situation? As we all know, he's the lead guy of the whole equation. And, you know, I don't know that it'll necessarily be an issue about him taking a knee, even though he said he won't further do that. But I don't think it'll be an issue of him taking a knee or it's, I don't think it is an issue of him taking a knee last year in 2016 during the national anthems or whatnot. That might be an issue to Tom Coughlin so much as just the backlash and the the outlook that the fans would have on him that might stray Tom Coughlin away from him. But nonetheless, you know, you never know in this league, but I just don't see Tom Coughlin going that route. And I mean, furthermore, with Kaepernick, my thing is this, man, like, I don't think he's that much better than Blake Bortles. I know that um, in the piece that Jacob wrote, he was, you know, making the case statistically for Kaepernick, especially last year, considering he didn't have a lot of weapons, uh, which, is, you know, that's a compelling case that, you know, he didn't have a lot of weapons and he did some decent things last year. But as a natural passer, I'm not a big fan of Colin Kaepernick. And I think like we we were bamboozled as people personally in his run with the 49ers. When Greg Roman's, Roman was there, he flourished. He was very good. Uh, this, that and the other. But as an arm talent, since Greg Roman's been gone, you know, it's just, it just hasn't been there for Kaepernick. And you can argue that like Greg Roman is probably the best offensive coordinator that he could probably have in terms of. Uh, you know, Kaepernick being paired up with an offensive coordinator and it worked fine. I mean, other than Harbaugh, who is essentially the guy that, you know, that offense was made by too as well. But aside from that, that offense and with that coordinator, I'm not confident that Colin Kaepernick could do the things that, you know, he did with the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, that said, you know, I, I looked at their stats and I'm talking about Bortles and Kaepernick here and. In comparing them, Kaepernick is uh, a 59.8% in terms of completion and has thrown for a little bit over 12,000 yards. So let's go to Bortles here, which I don't see that much of a difference in uh, their career totals. Uh, Bortles is a 58.8% in terms of completion ratio and percentage and uh, has thrown a little bit over 11,000 yards, uh, thrown for 69 touchdowns. And his overall rating is a 79.6, while Kaepernick's overall rating is, they don't have it here um, for some odd reason. So that being said, I mean, just looking at, you know, them in comparison, is he that much better than Blake Bortles? I don't think so. Um, he's probably a better scrambler uh, scrambler than Blake Bortles. And I mean, but that really doesn't mean all that much to me in terms of, you know, once again, he's not going to be in a system where Greg Roman w- would have a lot of trickery where you couldn't key in on him when he runs. And that's been the problem. Like, you know, he, he's not. I mean, he's still effective as a runner, but without Greg Roman, you know, it's not that big of a deal that he can scramble. You know, he, he still can be stopped for the most part or neutralized. So, I mean, I say, you know, for the Jaguars personally, 
if you want to do it for a competition standpoint, yeah, go ahead. You know, maybe that'll push Bortles. Maybe it won't. Because once again, I don't know that he's that better, much better than Blake Bortles. Uh, furthermore, he's going to come into a system where he's going to have to learn. He's going to be behind the, the curve, so to speak, where Bortles has basically been in this offense for, you know, since at least since last year, if we're ter- talking about in terms of Nathaniel Hackett. So I don't know about this one. I, I, I say I'm on board for having Kaepernick come, but I think what I, I'm trying to say is I don't know that he will win the starting job here is the issue with it. And I mean, with the the whole national anthem thing that doesn't really bother me it's i guess you could say that's kind of a freedom of speech thing and that's all i'll say on that but from a player perspective you know i i don't know if it'll make that much of a difference but that's just my opinion so uh that being said we're going to move on to the next topic at hand as like i said i don't want to really hold y'all too long being that it's just me ryan solo but um we're going to talk on some of the visits that the jaguars have set up um, I know it was three with the running backs, um, the top three running backs, should I say, or the consensus, at least by most accounts, the top three running backs in Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette and Joe Mixon. As we all know, um, I guess I'll start from the bottom with Mixon. He had the um, incident with the young lady uh, who was a college student at Oklahoma as well. Uh, that happened two, three years ago, if I'm not mistaken, where um, he basically punched her. And uh, it was a big mistake in his coming back to hunt him as I mean, granted, he was he was younger. You know, I'm I'm not advocating violence in any way. You you shouldn't put your hands on women in any shape or form. Not saying that it was okay, but he was a younger man when he did it, you know, and that's when men tend to make mistakes. And uh, and as a result, now he's suffering from it. So um, it it was reported last week, though, uh, on Twitter, at least that they were saying that it's a possibility he still get going the first round. But I I highly doubt that. But I think it is interesting that the Jaguars are bringing him in, at least for a visit that pretty much shows that they haven't taken him off their draft board. I mean, and when when I looked at the interviews and whatnot, he did seem remorseful. And, you know, he he did seem um, grateful about the opportunity to continue to be with his teammates and play football and whatnot after you know the um after coach Stoops basically punished him I think they suspended him the year that it happened even though the surveillance didn't come out until like this year so you know this is a guy that you know they could better they can get in his head when they come here and better figure out you know from their standpoint how they feel about him as a person and is he you know is he remorseful in their eyes and whatnot, this, that, and the other. And, uh, you know, I think this is a, a good opportunity for them to fill this young man out. And, you know, everybody, as the saying goes, deserve a second chance. So, you know, he, he was young and why not, you know, maybe give this young man a, a, another chance if, you know, if you're the front office and you feel that he is going to turn it all around. So, I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting. I would pay money to be a fly on the wall to see Tom Coughlin interview this young man as well as Dave Caldwell and see how that interview goes. So um, that'll be a situation to watch. Um, I think it's highly doubtful still that they get him. But if he's around in the second round, he does give them an opportunity to address something else in the first round in terms of a defensive lineman or whatever the case may be. And then, you know, come back around to get him in the second round if you, you know, you think this is the guy for you. Uh, then there's Leonard Fournette, LSU, as we all know. Um, he was a freak coming out of high school. I mean, what more can you really say about him? He's been probably the highly most mocked uh, 
prospect to the Jaguars in terms of this draft. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have compared him to Adrian Peterson. Don't know if I see that necessarily, um, you know, but he's a freak of nature. And uh, in terms of like, you know, what he brings to the table, he's a good size, weight and speed specimen. Nonetheless, um, I, I like Dalvin Cook better for what the Jaguars need, at least, because Fournette is a guy that really depends on like his offensive line to make the holes for him. And if they don't have a good day, you know, I mean, that's the, the case with most running backs. If they don't have a good day, he doesn't have a good day. And I mean, I think that what I'm trying to say, that is especially the case for him. When you look at guys like Dalvin Cook and even Mixon a little bit from the little bit of tape that I watched on Mixon, at times they have to make things happen on their own. And, you know, it's times where, you know, a defender per se was in the backfield and went on block basically. And this, you know, Cook or, you know, sometimes even Mixon will make these guys miss. And uh, granted, I do have to watch more tape on Mixon. You know, these guys showed, at least from the few tapes I've seen of Mixon and all the tapes I've seen, I've seen a lot of tapes of Cook. You know, they were able to make people miss and they were make able to get around the corner, which that's a question with Fournette in the NFL. He did it on the college level, but can he do it on the NFL? I think that Cook can. And that's why I give him the nod over Fournette in, um, you know, pretty much all aspects, though. You know, he's better in changing directions, uh, you know, and he, he's a guy that uh, he's more patient to me, so to speak. And. I don't know, man. I just get this bad vibe about Fournette that he may be a bust. You know, he's one of those guys that was a freak on the high school level and the college level. But, you know, it might not work out for him on the NFL level. But um, you never know. I'm not saying I'm not a Fournette fan, but I don't know if he'll pan out in the NFL like people think. Another thing, I mean, and this is Cook's case, too, is he, you know, Fournette hasn't really been all that healthy. He missed four games last year, and that's a result why he couldn't eclipse a thousand yards, basically. But I mean, when he did play and he played injured at times, he looked good. And I mean, you you got to credit him for pushing through some injuries as well and having the games that he had with the injuries. But um, Cook gets the nod for me. He's better for zone blocking. Um, he, he makes more things happen. He's just more dynamic to me personally. But as I said, that's a personal opinion. So don't take that the wrong way to all our listeners out there but um if I if you know if it came down to a running back at four I would go with Cook but I personally wouldn't even take a running back at four because it's just a position where it's deep this year in the draft and you know I don't think it's 1995 anymore where you have to do that anyway so I mean I I look at a guy like um, Marlon Mack who you can get in third round second round you know and use that top four pick to to get a more premium position so to speak and another thing about this is the Jacksonville Jaguars as I said their line just isn't there in my opinion yet they didn't invest enough in it in free agency and I won't blame them for that because it wasn't a lot to you know in terms of what was on the market it wasn't a lot of options for them to you know go to I know it was like Ronald Leary and they even tried to get Zeitler but it just you know you can't land all the big free agents so you know that's not their fault but for that reason, they don't really have their offensive line isn't that much better than it was last year on paper, at least in my opinion. And that is that sets up for a disaster, especially for Fournette, who, as I said, pretty much is a guy that relies on his offensive line. Uh, but, you know, they have Coach Flaherty. Hopefully, you know, he can coach them up better and help them in that situation to improve upon themselves. And Marone's an offensive line coach himself. So, you know, maybe they will, you know, with the 
people that they have now and a few draft picks, you know, maybe they can become a better unit. But um, as of now, I don't I don't know about picking Fournette with our offensive line, especially. Um, so anyway, um, another one that really caught me, I won't say caught me by surprise, but one that is really uh, a visit that people are buzzing about is Deshaun Watson of Clemson. As we all know, he was like in one of the front runners for the Heisman and uh, he didn't end up getting it last year, but he was atop a the list and he went to the national championship last two years. And this is a guy that the leadership quality is there is, uh, you know, when when people talk about him is a question of can he make all the NFL throws? So um, me personally, I mean, I've seen him make some nice bread basket throws, but, uh, you know, to do it consistently on NFL level, you know, that that's what's going to be asked of him. And something else that's concerning is uh, the amount of picks that he's thrown in the the last two years, I think he threw 13 in 2015 and like 17 or 16 this year or last season, should I say. So that's concerning. And I mean, for the people that hate Blake Bortles, basically, and that's like draft Watson, you know, you, you don't have a case because both of them are pick machines. At least that's what they've shown in the last, what, two, three years. So, I mean, you might as well stick with Bortles if you're on that boat. I mean, in my opinion, and. I mean, me personally, I think he can be better coached. Watson can to uh, acclimate himself with the NFL. But, um, you know, that'll be a situation to watch. I mean, it wouldn't kill me if we drafted him with the fourth overall pick. I wouldn't be mad with that. I mean, though, I think they'll stick with Bortles. Um, I personally think they should probably stick with Bortles for one more year. Personally, not saying that he's going to light it up or anything, but if they can fix the run game, um, you know, they can make the playoffs with what they have and they can make the playoffs with Bortles considering the defense and um, the additions they made on special teams. So they don't exactly need Bortles to be John Elway uh, this year. They just need him to take better care of the ball, be more efficient. And, you know, you know, we need the offense to score more. So uh, nonetheless, though, Deshaun Watson is an interesting athlete. Uh, I like what I've seen out of him in terms of the athletic standpoint. Um, and it would be interesting to see him in their offense. I, I will say that, uh, but we'll have to see. But I'm doubtful that that happens. It's, it's highly unlikely, though. Um, I've said on the Jags wire plenty of times that it's more likely that they do it later in the draft or take a quarterback later in the draft. Uh, so um, other notables that stick out, um, O.J. Howard, who uh, a couple people have mocked him to us in with the fourth overall pick. And uh, that's one that I would, you know. I'll be fine with that, I guess. I mean, that's a little high for a tight end, but I mean, if people are considering a running back at that that spot, why not consider a tight end too? I mean, if you know, if the board falls to where Allen is going and Miles Garrett is going and Solomon Thomas are going, you know, I could see them taking OJ Howard and I could see why if they can't trade back or take a running back for that, you know, for that scenario. Um, so, you know, in, in that scenario, yeah, I'll be fine with that if the three defense linemen went, you know, in the first three picks. Um, but um, O.J. Howard is a guy he really could help the Jaguars offense. That's what I like about him because he can block way better than um, uh, Julius Thomas ever could. And um, not only that, you know, he's just a better athlete. He can do it all, catch, block, you name it. And, uh, you know, the Jaguars could use that because, you know, one of the issues with Thomas was basically his inability to block and you know when he was on the field it basically was guaranteed that 
you know, that the Jaguars were passing. So, you know, that kind of put them at a handicap position. And that wouldn't be the case with O.J. Howard. And O.J. Howard is a guy that, furthermore, I really like him because Blake Bortles would target him. He's a big target that Bortles likes to throw at. And he would really help him in the red zone. So this is a guy I could see, honestly, with Bortles and how he likes big targets and how he needs a big target furthermore with his inaccuracy this is a guy that i can see being very successful in his first year with the jaguars especially in the red zone so you know i wouldn't really be opposed to that i if they do it though i really i hope that they could trade back and do it and get some more picks out of it but if you you know you can't get out of there and all three of the defensive linemen are gone what choice do you have you know other than to take him or you know one of the running backs so you know you can't be mad if that happens so uh lastly uh, the other two names that I um or two of the other notable names, um, John Allen, who I just mentioned, and uh, Cam Robinson. I guess I'll start with Robinson. Uh, you know, he's a guy that I've seen go in from the mid to late first round. Uh, I think, you know, I really like Cam Robinson. But my thing is, I don't know about at tackle for the Jaguars. I would rather at least for his first year, he's better suited to be their a starting guard for them and he would really really help him uh really help them especially Blake Bortles in the run game uh, if they put him at guard upon drafting him but the thing is you know you would have to spend a first round pick on him likely and it's a, another guy that you know I would prefer them trade back and get but once again we'll we'll monitor that and we'll see but uh Cam Robinson he would really be a big help for this team and he's a guy that I'm not opposed to taking just not where they where they are at the uh fourth overall pick and then lastly as I said Allen um you know there was the report with his shoulder issues and he seems to at least from his perspective he doesn't think it's gonna really bother him in the uh, short term but you know long term after football is when it could be an issue and I mean if it's a situation where the Jaguars just kind of like have to really do that research into and they find out it won't be that big of an issue kind of like you know Miles Jack last year you know I don't mind them taking him there and he, he's worthy of that pick if he's going to be fine you know in up until he's 30 I say why not um especially like I say if Miles Garrett and Solomon Thomas gone it's like you know this guy really is the next best available player minus the injury and if they think it won't be an issue then you know I'm all for it so I mean people complain like where are all these defensive linemen gonna play and I mean don't worry about that the Jaguars here's the issue with the Jaguars we've had We've long had an issue with finding a franchise pass rusher or finding a pass rush in general these last eight years. I think people forget how hard it's been for us to generate pressure on the quarterback. It's almost been a decade since we've really been good at that. So, you know, you can't take that for granted. Like, you know, if you're one of those people that does take that for granted, just just think back on the past eight, nine, ten years on how Tom Brady and company is basically been able to sit in the pocket and grill burgers on us you know and then from that perspective it's like okay I could see why I mean and you can't you can never have enough good pass rushers in this league especially if your offense is garbage like ours you know you might as well be able to take the ball from the opposing team or uh, the opposing offense and prevent them from scoring and ultimately that's how you do that in this league so their defense can keep them in a lot of games if they generate the right pass rush. And I think Allen would help them to do that, even though he would be playing defensive tackle in our scheme. But, he, I mean, he can play five technique as well on the end. 
And um, he's a guy, you know, the Jaguars have so many movable pieces. They can get him on the field often. That's the thing about it. I think I don't think people realize another thing is how much a backup defensive end would get played. You know, they, they worry about the playtime, but backup defensive ends do get a lot of playtime despite what people think. And Jonathan Allen would could be a starter or as a backup, he still would get a lot of playtime. Um, basically, you know, you can kick who is in um, Calais Campbell into the one technique. He's shown the ability to play nose tackle at times on third down. Just kick him in, put Malik at the three, put Jonathan Allen at defensive end at the five and Yannick at, at nine as the widest defensive end. And just let them cook, man. That's a very, very good third down, you know, bunch. And that, I mean, not just third down, that's a good bunch in general, man. Like they can really do some damage and that defense with those guys could keep them in a lot of games. So I'm all game for taking Jonathan Allen. Um, The only thing is, will the shoulder check out? And if it does, I'm fine with taking him, especially if, you know, the top defensive linemen are off the board. So that will wrap it up for today's show. Um, looks like I've covered all the topics at hand. Gonna uh, probably write until the end of the night, and I'll post more posts on um the Jaguars Wire as well as this podcast. And uh, it was it was great to have you all listen in. For those who did listen live, and um, we appreciate the support. I can't say that enough, especially with the Jaguars Wire. And I appreciate um all the love we're getting on uh, Facebook, especially. Um, got to get those Twitter followers up. So I'm gonna work on that in due time, and um. As I said, this, uh, you know, you can find this on various uh, interfaces, iTunes, Audio Boom, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And of course, you all know the site is jaguarswire.usatoday.com. The Twitter is the Jaguars Wire at the Jags Den podcast for this podcast and at sports grind underscore underscore done for myself. So um, shout out to the guys, um, Phil, Nick and Jacob. Um, hopefully we'll get them more involved later down the road um it's kind of been a busy time though for us all so uh, we, we'll work that out in due time and uh once again as i said i appreciate you all listening and everybody have a good night <laughs>